Oh, we're um, going right now. Oh, well, I just, I want to say, I want to talk about how this is a hundred times worse than Zoom. How so? I don't know. Just the the platform the, for for everyone to know. We're do we're using Skype instead of Zoom to record this. We usually use a different software. We're moving away from that. Anyway, we're using Skype, and it's just like Zoom from hell. It's so bizarre. <laughs> now I know why Zoom lost the war, or why Skype lost the war from Zoom in the pandemic content connection warm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally not speaking English, am I? Um, <laughs> it's okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, I started recording, but we can cut all this out. How are you? <laughs> um. Well, I'm not ready at all for this. <laughs> Why? Because I don't have my setup set up. Oh, then set your setup up. Sorry. Okay. Well, you you riff on something, and then I'll let you know when I'm good. Okay. Um. I'll be back. What can I riff on. Wait, this is like last week when you said, what if you're doing a bit while I was gone? And then theater yeah. makes sense when it's all together. Yeah, well, let's see. Let's see how I do. Okay, um, three, two, fun. Three, two, fun. Okay. And a fun fact about me is that I drank a glass of wine on the toilet tonight. Um, that was something that I did. <laughs> but can I promote anything? I just bought something on Amazon. Well, it's bad because it's on Amazon. I shouldn't have bought from Amazon. But I um, bought some reusable plastic bags because every day I take my lunch to work and I use a single-use plastic bag. Um, And I was just thinking that that wastes so many plastic bags, so I finally bought some reusable ones. So I just want to share that with you in case you're looking to make a change in your life um, to sort of reduce the amount of waste you create, even though, like, ultimately it doesn't matter and we're all going to die, right? Um, (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God, I can't be left alone. Okay, what can I talk about? Let's, okay, I think I'm going to find a thing where it's like, um, uh, like a random topic generator. Let's see if that exists on the internet. Random topic generator. Hell yeah. Okay. Okay, generate random topics. Oh, this is, what is the worst restaurant you have ever eaten at? The worst restaurant I ever ate at? Think about, ponder your own stories. But mine I was in Paris, okay, so Paris is, like, notorious for, like, having excellent food, right, but me and my friends, we were studying abroad in London, we went to Paris for a weekend, we're walking around Paris, it's a Saturday in July, so it's fucking miserable, I, we had just taken a nap in front of the Eiffel Tower, and slightly before that, I'd taken some, like, medicine on an empty stomach, so I just got really nauseous, so I'm super nauseous, and I'm fucking sweating, and we're walking through Paris, and it's Paris, right, and we're, like, looking for somewhere to eat, and we find this cafe that's, like, right, I think it's right by Notre Dame, so it's, like, this horrible touristy, like, shit, shit place, and I ordered something with shrimp, like, I ordered, like, a salad, but it had shrimp on it, and I ate, like, three bites of it, and then I went and literally fell asleep, throwing up on the toilet of, like, this nasty tourist trap bathroom. Um, And then one of my friends, like, carried me home on the metro because I was, like, asleep, basically, and put me to bed. Um, And that was the worst meal I've ever had. And also a terrible memory because I was in Paris. Let's see. Let's look at another random topic. Um, What is something popular now that annoys you? Oh, but anything I say, I'm going to sound like a dick, aren't I? 
something popular that annoys me. You know what? I'll say it. Ariana Grande. <laughs> she annoys me because, like, I'm never going to be her. Like, I'm never going to be, like, a small, delicate, beautiful, like, whistle-tone lady. Like, I'm always going to be, like, a little bit fat and, like, a little, like, like, I'm never, I'm never going to be that hot. I'm always going to have cellulite. And I just hate it. And I hate her ponytail because my hair would never be able to do that. We're enough to cut that out or the, the Arianators are going to come for me. Do you want to try Zoom? Because this whole thing is me talking absolute nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can hear you now. You can? Yeah. Okay, can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> so what I just said. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, were you listening the last eight minutes? No, I came in with something about a ponytail, and I could never do that. We got to <laughs> cut that out because the Arianators are going to come for me. <laughs> you're Okay, you're going to have to listen to the first eight minutes of this. <laughs> And, like, it's just a private gift for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because the things I say are, they do not make any sense. <laughs> I'm going to find it and edit something together so it's, like, gamer girl bathwater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to take a drink. Do you want to start the show then? Okay. <laughs> um, well, you actually have the opening line. I love saying, do you want to start the show? Because it's, like, a thing that, like like, a good Disney Channel show would do. Like, one that was really, like, meta-theatrical. They'd be like, all right, kids, let's start the show. Like, I don't know. It's cool. It's, what's that one? It was the Sunny with a Chance uh, spinoff where they did, like, SNL. Oh, so random? So, yeah, like that? that's, that's so, like, it's the cast of a show doing a live show for us. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, we better start the show. Yeah. <laughs> okay, ready? Three, mm -hmm. two, one. Flight attendant voice. Hi, I'm Olivia. And I'm Jay. And welcome to Highbrow Theater. A podcast where we analyze plays. So you don't have to. Oh my god. I've been wanting to tell you about this all day. Okay, I, tell me about it. I saw a Reductress article... And the headline was, I don't give hand jobs, I give hand opportunities. Oh, I've been, think I've been repeating that in my head all day. <sighs> um, what was I going to tell you? I don't remember. Okay. Um, oh, also, like, we did this before, and the audio was buns. Oh, we yeah, we should say that. Okay, putting so it off, because we just talked about it. Yeah. So now I feel like it's been long enough where the ideas are fresh again, at least somewhat. Honestly, I forgot the whole plot and I had to read a summary on the internet. <laughs> um, so I was like, what happens in that play again? Um, recently, I was telling someone that we were doing this play, a friend of ours, and he said that he didn't like this play and he didn't like studying it. And I was really surprised because I, like, I remember reading this play and being like, this is one of my favorite plays ever. <laughs> Well, his pronouns tell tell me all that I need to know. Yeah, I guess so. But <laughs> I was really surprised because I think this is a really cool play. And it's cool that it's... My favorite thing about it is that it's short. And before I go on, tell us what play we're doing. 
We are doing Trifles by Susan Glassbell. Yeah, the cool thing about this play is it's short. It's a one act. It's a short one act. It's like about 30 pages. And that rocks. There should be more plays that are half an hour. Yeah. Like, obviously, it's like, (laughs) there's reasons why it's inconvenient. Because you have to, like, go all the way to the theater and, like, pay for a ticket and, like, sit down. But, like, imagine, like, a night of, like, three one acts. But you have, like, an hour in between. That would be paradise. I will agree with that. Yes. Yeah, you I'm would also, see like Go ahead. <laughs> I was just thinking like how television went from like 22 episodes a season to 8. Yeah. Like it's still cool. It's just like more condensed and I guess they don't need like five acts to say what they're trying to say. You know, you really don't. And I've always said, did we talk about we haven't talked about an O'Neill play. We should do like the Iceman Cometh or Long Day's Journey tonight. Um, Maybe we'll do that next week if you're interested. Anyway, what I've always said about Eugene O'Neill is that he's a really, really fucking good writer, obviously. But he is a man. So he thinks people want to like watch him being a really, really good writer for literally four hours. And nobody does. (laughs) You want to watch a good writer be a good writer for about an hour and a half. And he's like, well, I'm so good. I'm so good. I'll do three hours. And it's like, you are so good. But like, please stop. <laughs> let's, let's relax um, on that for a second. Um, but anyway, Susan Glassbill does the opposite. And she writes this really short, really concise play. Tell us about her. Well, actually, before we start, I wanted to pose this. Um, by the way, we've said all this before to each other already, but I, <laughs> yeah. for, for you folks, I want to go back to what we were talking about. So I, when I was typing up the notes, I kept wanting to call her Susan instead of Glassbell, but oh, men right. always get the last name. So is there misogyny based in that? I think there is, and I'm changing my answer from last time, but I think there is, but I think it's like men enforce it more than women do. And what I mean is that, like, I don't know, you always see men calling other men by their last name. Hey, Smith, like, good job yeah, on those like, reports. Yeah, exactly. It's like a masculine thing to go by your surname sometimes. And women don't do that. So it's like they've made... Like, there's nothing wrong with referring to someone as their first name. I don't think, I think, I don't know. I don't think there's something inherently wrong with it. But, like, men are the ones who don't do that. So, of course, they've made us feel as if going by your first name is unprofessional. Yeah. and So now it is. Like, I've had professors be like, it's unprofessional to not, like, you're demeaning this woman if you don't treat her the way that men treat other men. And I just think that that's, like, a little ridiculous. Yeah. And we, there's a professor that we both used to have who we know very well and like a lot, who she told me, I don't know if she told me specifically, but I think I was in the know, and she said, when I'm around my theater students, call me by my first name, but in general classes, I am a doctor. Yeah, I hope she's listening. I don't know if she listens to this, but I should tell her about it, because I think she would actually like it. I do, too. Um, I can just, like, picture her using big words that I have to look up that are very meaningful, yeah, she she loves podcasts, and I think she knows that I smoke weed. So I think we're good. <laughs> we're covered. Um, I'll, I'll send it to her and be like, hey, we have a podcast. Because she actually emailed me today. Anyway. Um, <laughs> All right. Any of that. Um, 
Let's yeah. talk about Dr. Glassbell. <laughs> She's not a doctor. Uh, she was born on July 1st, 1876 in Kennedy, Davenport, Iowa. Wait, it's she just was born in 1876? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> this play is written in what, like the 30s, maybe the 30s, maybe the 20s or 30s. Um, you'll tell us, I'm sure. But 18, that seems so much longer away. I know. That's... People really be born every year, huh? <laughs> it's going to, you know, people are going to say that about us because we were born in the 1990s. Ew, I know. The and they're going to be like, oh my God, they were born in the 2000s? Yeah, it'll be weird. <laughs> yeah. I know people who have been born after 9-11. Like, that's what? not allowed. Where were you when 9-11 happened? A twinkle in my parents' eye. <laughs> like, get out. She was born in Davenport, Iowa, but I want to say Kennedy Davenport because this is half a Drag Race podcast, basically. It's a, it's a Drag Race podcast in that you make Drag Race puns, <laughs> and people have to know exactly what you're talking about. This is already a niche thing, but I'm making it even like a double niche. Yeah, we can find like theater, gay, theater girls and gays who also really like Drag Race, which I think is just us, too. <laughs> it's the two hey. of us. If that applies to you, leave a comment down below. As <laughs> <laughs> said she was born on July 1st, she was a cancer. Her father was Elmer Glassbell, who was a hay farmer, and her mother was Alice Keating, who was a school teacher. So the land that she lived on was purchased from the government by her grandfather after the Black Hawk Purchase. You say that too quick, it becomes salacious. <laughs> the Black Hawk War where the United States government encroached on the land of the Sox, Meskwakis, and Kickapoos. The natives fought back, led by a Sox leader, Black Hawk was his name, and were mowed down, and then the government forcibly took their land and gave them 11 cents an acre. So I guess, I mean, yeah, that is still forcibly taken, even though they got paid. Yeah, it's still forcibly taken, even if it's you're... Still like I took your purse, but here's the 20 back. <laughs> yeah. Or like, I took your house, here's $2. <laughs> oh, the, the area was named Black Hawk after the leader. And by the way, he was in prison at the time the quote-unquote trade was made. That's like, well, we live in Ohio, and everyone's like, oh, Ohio, it's a Native American word. And it's like, yeah, and there are no Native Americans here because you shoved them out. <laughs> like, it's like... Yeah, they're like, oh, it's the Black Hawk neighborhood. It's named after the Black Hawks. And I was like, yeah, they used to, you took their house. <laughs> you took it. Yep. Okay, sorry. I didn't, I didn't know what to say. I was <laughs> Okay, go ahead. So that was all to say that she completely deviated from her conservative family. She's a kick-ass woman and a human in general. She's a kick-ass human. She's a human, but, like, a kick-ass one. (laughs) She was remembered as a precocious individual who loved to take care of stray animals. Wow, and you know, this play has animal stuff. (laughs) Animal stuff. Animal stuff. That's, oh oh my god, that would be such a great name for, like, a gay bar. Animal stuff? Animal stuff. That, I'm going to push back on this. <laughs> We're already like, I'm, why can't I marry my turtle? If they think there's animal stuff going on in there. No, not like animal, like 
like, not like animal, like fucking an animal. Animal, like, ooh, like we're all crazy. You know, they're like, ooh, I'm wild. You know, I'm an animal. I don't it could be like theme, no. like everyone could wear like leopard print. That's a good idea. I mean, it is fitting because for some reason every gay label is an animal. Yeah. Most of them, not all of them, but she excelled so much in school that she gave her commencement speech at her high school graduation. Oh, now this is off. this is all like being a woman in this time period, and also kind of now, but especially in this time period, that yeah, right. was cool that is cool who gave the speech at your high school graduation are they important now well i did so you did oh my god that's cool not the valedictorian one but the class president one. Oh, you were class president yeah of course you were because i was the like it'd be homophobic if they didn't vote for me you know what i mean yeah, but, like, you also, you have that charisma. Like, you always find out people used to be class president, and you're like, oh, you have the charisma to do this. <laughs> I was so meek in high school, and still I am a lot now. Like, I would not be able to run for class president. Although I was the president of a student org. Whatever. That's not, that's different. Her first job got her a regular salary working as a journalist for the local paper. By age 20, she had her own weekly column that basically made fun of Davenport, Iowa's upper class. So this is another playwright who... uh, Oh, wait. Well, I'm saying that because we already did this once. This is uh, (laughs) another playwright who uh, was a journalist and also a playwright. Like, those are connected. And the other person is Sophie Treadwell from Machina. So it was a thing. It was a pattern. Yeah. I wonder... Why do you think that? I'm guessing, like, because they're literally telling stories through interacting with humans which is kind of what a play is yeah and well like what was i gonna say oh Oh, well it's also it's the subject matter of their plays right so it's both of them are like really fascinated with like murder like violence being expressive of something else like she's making violence into like a poem because it's her job to report on violence. Like for one, it's a way of processing violence. And two, it's a way of her, like, I don't know, like having compassion for another woman publicly when she couldn't do that as a journalist. Right. Like she couldn't write an article that was like, Oh, like this lady murdered her husband. I get it. Like she has to do that through a play. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. I think it was also that like, like journalism was considered like a a low down kind of occupation um similar to theater was where like if you maybe if you did it like used to be if you were an actress you were a whore so maybe if you're a journalist you're just like a dumb girl well because it's always like x3 x3 read all about it like no one likes that kid yeah no one likes that kid he's (laughs) for some reason i have uh the the dursley kid in the harry potter movies in my oh, head. his eyes are so close together. But like the <laughs> That was a wicked spell that Harry did to make them that way. <laughs> he was like, I'm gonna make your eyes look just a little bit wrong. <laughs> and everyone who looks at you will be like, What's going on there? <laughs> oh, that's so mean. I'm making fun of his appearance. Well, you can make fun of me because um I have a really big nose. <laughs> It's going to be so long. At age 21, she started at Drake University in Iowa in their philosophy program, even though there was a common belief that college made women unfit for marriage. Yeah, I'm not going to marry a woman who knows how to read. 
<laughs> she could read my diary. <laughs> She could read my bank statements and find out that I don't let her have any money. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> she joined the debate club and smoked all the men, and she was chosen to represent the university at the state debate competition. Debate? I We've talked about this before because we've done this episode before. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> but debate kid, like debate kids are sexy. They're like theater kids, but sexy because like instead of becoming actors, they're gonna become lawyers. Oh you know? yeah. They're like oh they have charisma, and instead of using that charisma to like fill their ego, they're gonna use it to like change the world. <laughs> <laughs> you remember I I I was in debate. <laughs> yeah, you were in debate. Yeah. And again, we're... you have fucking charisma. <laughs> Oh, I did not have that. Here's the thing. I have stage presence, but I did not have charisma. Charisma is when you, like, have stage presence off of a stage, but I only have presence on a stage. You're a walking present, baby. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Um, No, I just ruined what you said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Post-graduation, a singular day to be precise, she got a job working for the Des Moines newspaper and was tasked with covering state legislatures and murder cases. Those are two really important things. <laughs> yeah. But they're things that people like, people like brush off. Like murder cases are sensational, right? And like state legislature, everyone's like, oh, like the state doesn't do anything, but it actually yeah. controls like a lot of your daily life. <laughs> yeah. But people just ignore it. So anyway, it's a case of them being like, oh, a woman can be a journalist because it's not important. And a woman can like report on these things that everyone should know about. And it doesn't matter because they're not important, but they are important. And I feel like, I feel like she was right. Oh, sorry. She was writing for a more male audience. I assume, so? yeah, As because a like, yeah, like men would be the one reading the newspapers, you know. Yeah, probably. Because women can't read. She covered Sorry, a case. Ahead. Okay, <laughs> she covered a case about a woman who was accused of murdering her husband, which was actually that was the inspiration for trifles. The same thing as Sophie Treadwell. They're connected. And after that case, she quit at the age of twenty-four. She wow. Moved back to Davenport to focus on writing fiction. Her stories were widely published and she actually won a huge prize for one of them, which financed her move to Chicago. That's freaking cool. She published her first novel while in Chicago in 1909. And the New York times basically said, it's wild that this is her first novel because it's so good. Whoa. People can't just be good. Well, it's like, I don't know. I feel like she's treated like this. Like we don't learn about her. Like we don't talk about her the way we talk about like maybe like a like an Arthur Miller, you know, but they were writing around not around the same time, actually, at all. But like, I don't know, like we have these people that we consider the American theatrical canon. And it's like a couple guys and a couple like really contemporary women, like maybe like a Susan Laurie Parks. Right. Or a Lynn Nottage or whatever. But, like, the women from way back, like, we don't cons we don't incorporate them into our studies at all. So, like, I didn't know about her. This, Yeah, this is why I love this, is because it's opening my eyes and my yeah. ears. Did you read this play in college? I 
I think it was in script analysis. Yeah, so, we studied it too. And I was really happy with that class because we studied a lot of women and people of color specifically. And they were basically like, at least my teacher was like, hey, like this is like just as valid as like a Tennessee Williams. Like you need to know this shit too. Not like patting them on the back for that, but like at least I'm, I had access to it, you know? Who was your teacher? I'll, I'm going <laughs> to. Me too. Yeah, I loved her. Oh, she was, she was so fun. Although well, that yeah. final project was stupid. <laughs> was it the Angels in America thing? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. I had to, like, scenic design for it. And I was like, what? This is a script analysis class. Anyway. <laughs> really? <laughs> I did what had to do. I was briefly in a, I was briefly considering being a scenic designer. Wouldn't that have been interesting? Oh, my God. Yeah. You would produce some wacky stuff with a positive th- connotation. Yeah, I think I actually might have been kind of good at it. I just, I don't, I'm really bad at, like, architectural math. Like, it really confuses me. Maybe but someday. That doesn't even shine a light on uh, time math. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's way harder. Using those freaking, if you've, if you have a BA in theater, you took a class where you had to use one of those, like, like, rulers that convert units. <laughs> what are they called? I don't a triangle. Like an architect ruler. Architect ruler. That was it. Those things are so fucking hard to use. (laughs) Okay. No. Okay. Just like be a ruler. Just be a ruler. Simply be a ruler. Let me be your ruler. Did you? Did I tell you I looked over those lyrics and they are so good. Oh Lord. Like like I just kind of said the lyrics to uh, Royals. Like I was just singing along, but then I like read and like thought about it. It's like that is so good oh she's a genius and that's why i am going to write the pure heroine melodrama mashup rock opera and if anyone steals that idea they'll know that i will fucking come for them (laughs) no one can do it better than me we're both scorpios (laughs) and i'll throw in my scorpio magic in there yeah well you have to be there too okay i'll do the i'll do something (laughs) we'll see you probably have to help me with like arranging the music Oh, okay. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Okay, next up, on now. <laughs> oh my god, I have so much more to say. So, here's how her theater career got started. She started a writer's group in Davenport, and some of them moved to Greenwich Village and started America's first avant-garde art movement. That's cool as shit. She's cool. <laughs> she's oh, like, she's like, have you, you haven't seen Mad Men, but in Mad Men, there's this, like, freaking cool artist lady who like lives in Greenwich Village and just like smokes weed all the time and like that's Susan Glassfell. <laughs> it really is. It's kind of giving me like uh she's like weird popular like in terms of high school cliques. Yeah, like she's popular like, but she's like she like wears skirts that touch the ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that girl yeah. is cooler than the actual cool girls because the like regular cool girls are just like materialistic, but like weird cool girls are like witches. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to talk about her health here a little bit, and there are some traumatic health events that occurred in her life. So just yeah. So she had a series of miscarriages and underwent surgery to remove a tumor. Oh, that's horrible. And so after her surgery, her and her husband, George Cram Cook, went to Provincetown, Massachusetts and started a, quote, creative collective. 
where they did productions in a refurbished fishing wharf. Oh, this is so Chicago. This is incredible. <laughs> it's incredible that these are because like Chicago theater has this like it has this reputation, right, for like making people who are like really cool and they're like about the art. And it's cool that that started all the way back in like whatever, 19 whatever, and it's still happening. Oh, yeah. I have oh. affection for Chicago theater. I think it's really cool. <laughs> That's so sweet. Oh. It's Midwest. Looking out for Midwest. Midwest. A town. De- I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to talk about trifles. <laughs> so, the case Glassbell covered that this was loosely based on was a woman by the name of Margaret Hosick claimed that someone murdered her husband with an axe in the middle of the night. There was an investigation and it was decided that she did it, but the jury was deadlocked and she was let go. I do want to say that I believe that she said there was an axe murder, but she actually like strangled him with a rope. But she said it was an axe murder. Well, that's just some bad lying. I know, but I feel like that also carries over into this, right? And this, I think, well, she says someone comes in and strangles her husband with a rope, but it's like, why would some guy just come in? I know, but like, didn't the bird get suffocated? Well, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Okay, I think. I have it all ready. I think that's where my brain was. So Glassbell was forming Margaret's character as an intimidating, astute, cold-blooded person, but upon a visit to the crime scene, her perspective got flipped to a more sympathetic tone, and now Margaret was a woman who just missed her children. Oh, that's sweet. It's it's Girl Alliance. Girl Alliance. Girl oh, Alliance. Yes. So all the characters in the show are based on real people in real life, like the actual sheriff and the actual attorney, except Mr. Hale, who was made up by Glassbell. He's the neighbor of the victim in the show, and he was played by Glassbell's husband, while Glassbell herself played the neighbor's wife. You gotta write yourself a role. You got to. You got to. I do it anytime I write anything. (laughs) I'm like, well, this one's like a little bit for me, (laughs) you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, but how do you feel about roles? I think we talked about this with Glengarry, but like roles that are made up from the like it doesn't exist in the source material. Oh, I think that's fine. The thing about like a narrative is like a narrative unfolds a lot quicker than a real life event, right? So sometimes you need other actors to, to sort of like make the action happen faster. You got to do what you got to do, and if you got to yeah. write yourself a part, you got to do it. I get it. <laughs> A year after the debut in that wharf house, she reworked trifles into a short story called A Jury of Her Peers, which, quote, highlighted the impossibility of women facing such a jury at a time when women were systematically denied the right to be jurors. And it was turned into a short film, which was nominated for an Oscar. You want to hear something funny, which is that I realized this after we did our first trifles episode. I studied Trifles, the play, in my script analysis class in college, and I studied A Jury of Her Peers in my English class. So it's like two different types of medium have, like, preserved this particular text. That doesn't happen very often. Like, we read it as we're reading the story as a short story and as a play, and both of them get studied because they're so good. Dang. Yeah, it's, I couldn't, like, if someone was, like, write a novel i'd be like i don't know how to do that and she could write stories she could write prose and plays that's cool 
Frozen Place. Frozen Place. favorite restaurant. <laughs> Sounds like a sex store. Frozen Plays. Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> Come on down to Frozen Plays, where we will sell you some merchandise. I didn't have a follow-up. <laughs> okay, one last thing for me. People lauded her as that time's Edgar Allan Poe, saying that her work, quote, advances her feminist agenda. All members of the audience, regardless of sex, come to understand each piece of the puzzle through the perspectives of the women sleuths as they grapple the evidence. See, I thought that that was true, but then my one male friend said that he didn't like this play. (laughs) That means he's a sexist. That's true. (laughs) Oh, we gotta do bird Stefan. <laughs> we'll get into the bird in a second. Okay. This play has everything. Chirp, 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 chirp Cortez. <laughs> <laughs> so simple, but so funny. <laughs> right. Okay, I'm gonna take a sip of water and then we're gonna go into our synopsis. We ready? We ready, gamers? <laughs> Mm. I'm going to make that my ringtone. Okay. (laughs) So, Trifles by Susan Glassbelt. There's a sheriff, Henry Peters, and a county attorney, George Henderson, and they're investigating a murder at a farmhouse. So these two, they're accompanied by others. So they get to this farmhouse, and there's three other people there. Um, Why did I write this this way? (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to read it. Like, what is going on? I wrote this synopsis, and it's been... It was, I was not in the right state of, the right state of mind. Um, so the county attorney and the sheriff, they get to the farmhouse. They have three people with them. So there's the sheriff. The sheriff brings his wife, Mrs. Peters. Um, and then they have another couple, which is Mr. Hale and, get this, Mrs. Hale. They are, they're neighbors to um, this farmhouse where they're investigating the murder. And they think that the, that Mr. Hale might be a witness. So they arrive to this farmhouse. What has occurred is a farmer named Mr. Wright has been killed, they think. So they found this guy and he was strangled with a rope. And they're like, well, it's either suicide or his wife killed him. So his wife, Mrs. Wright, is currently being held in jail because they think that she killed her husband. So they get to the house and they're about to investigate. And um, the men are, like, kind of being dicks. They're, like, judging the house. And they're like, oh, like, why didn't she clean? And it's like, why didn't she clean before she went to jail? What? How would she have known? <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe if you, if you like, murdered your husband, maybe you would clean. I don't know. But essentially, they're making fun of her house for being dirty. They're talking about, they're like, oh, all her jam jars have burst. She's, like, a shitty wife or whatever. <laughs> and, like, they're like, oh, all this shit is stupid. And the Mrs. Peters, who's the... The sheriff's wife wants to bring her some stuff at jail, which is also their house, I guess. It's kind of implied that it's also their house. And (laughs) she's like, maybe I can bring her, I can bring her like some quilting or something. And the men make fun of this. They're like, oh, they're going to bring her quilting. Like she's going to be worried about quilting when she might've like murdered someone. They're just making fun of things that women like. And then the men go upstairs and the wives are left downstairs alone. And they're looking around, they're looking for her quilting, they're looking for something to bring her, they're going to bring her some clothes, because she's, you know, she's staying there for the night, obviously. And there's some gossip, they start talking. And Mrs. Hale, who's the neighbor, tells um, Mrs. Peters 
that she knew Mrs. Wright when she was a young woman. And she's like, oh, she was such an outgoing, like energetic, beautiful young woman. She had like so much life in her and she was so extroverted and like all this stuff. And then Mrs. Wright, this girl she's referring to, sort of like disappeared off the face of the earth once she married Mr. Wright. Was that a play on words? Was it? Well, I don't know if that, like, sentiment was even a thing back then, but, like, ooh, she married Mr. Right. Oh, you know, I bet it is. Um, or it's just us. I don't know. But I'm going to take another step. Okay, I'm going to look up when Mr. Right etymology. Oh, it was 1796 was the first recorded use of Mr. Right. Okay, so she, maybe she definitely knew that. That was on purpose, I'm sure. Or maybe it was a happy accident. Who's to say? The... Two ladies, they're gossiping, they're talking about this, the fact that she used to be different, and they're like, more. the more that they think about it, it seems like something might have been wrong in this marriage. Like, it seems like Mrs. Wright was deeply unhappy, deeply depressed, and maybe was being sort of, like, not allowed to leave the house, like, they're sort of getting that impression. And they're walking around the house, and they're looking around, and they're sort of uncovering more and more things that sort of point to the fact that this marriage was maybe abusive, or at least like very a very difficult and unhappy marriage, especially for Mrs. Wright. And then they start looking through her quilting because they're going to bring her her quilting, and they find something horrifying. They find a Ooh. dead bird who's had his neck broken by like a person. And it's another tucked- bird, actually. The <laughs> <laughs> bird assassination. It was a <laughs> bird murder. Murder. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god sorry someone's committed a murder here <laughs> <laughs> and then cut to the theme song um yeah you might actually do that because that's really funny um but they find this dead bird it's had its neck broken and they immediately they like crack this case together they like finish each other's sentences while they're doing it and they're like okay mr wright was abusive to mrs wright and the cracking point was that he murdered her bird and basically there's all kinds of symbolism here which is like oh like she's a caged bird you know like she's because they also find an empty cage and there's like where's the bird and then they find the bird and the bird is dead um and then their husbands come back from upstairs and they're like well there's no physical evidence that mrs wright killed her husband um and in the meantime the wives have hidden they've gotten rid of the birds so that their husbands don't find it and that's the end of the play it's pretty short so basically the women decide to save something that could have incriminated Mrs. Wright because of Girl Alliance. Girl Alliance. The Girl Alliance the GA. <laughs> that's the theme song. There we go. That's our that's our new theme song, actually. We should start a podcast or a gay bar called Girl Alliance. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. So that was the end of the play. Let's go. (laughs) I'm done. I'm done. Let's go to the the end bits section. Um, It's free on Google Books. Well, that's great news. So read it, fools. Yeah, you guys should read it. It's really like, if you like plays of that era, like it's totally that. And it's also like, it's not a, a three-hour-long Eugene O'Neill, um, and it's pretty good, and you should you should give it a chance. Also, Mrs. Wright was not on stage at all. Yeah, that she was not. Even though she was, like, what this was all centered around. 
So I'm wondering if they are... Don't know what I was going to say. I think something about, like, the men are taking over her story. Yeah. Like, well, it's two things, right? It's the fact that she's not here to advocate for herself. And, like, the men in the story are not going to give her the benefit of doubt at all. The benefit of the doubt? They're not going to give her the benefit of the doubt at all because she's a woman. So we get that piece of it that's presented to us. And then we also get Girl Alliance, which is, like, we (laughs) see this, like, language between these women where they all, like, I said something really good about this in the last one we did, that the sound quality was terrible. But it's basically that, like, if you have any sort of oppression that you share with another person, like, you can sense when that person's in danger. And that's, like, a female thing. I think I'm sure it's a thing amongst other minorities. I'm not a minority. But it's, like, women share that instinct to protect each other because we're in danger in the same ways. Well, I mean, you're Italian. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, next thing, next thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Oh, significance of the title? Yeah. So something that the, the men say is they're like, women only care about trifles. Um, and that the trifles... Basically, part of the thing is that the trifles that the men ignore, like, they're not interested in looking at the kitchen, which shows maybe that, like, Mrs. Wright was unhappy, and they're not interested in looking at the sewing because it's, like, not, how can that have evidence? But it actually holds the evidence. So, like, trifles are actually important things, you know? Yeah, like, big things, small box. Yeah. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, this seems like I'm asking something and then you're answering it. <laughs> like, it's a Q&A. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. I just do that. You know that I talk a lot. I know you do that. And then I also do the thing where I don't say anything afterwards. <laughs> okay, let me bring up a thing. Um, okay. Oh, I hated that. That was such, like, I just did a thing. Like, but that's not how I meant it. I just meant, like, let me bring up, like, a topic is what I meant. <laughs> I, uh, I, I didn't mean to be annoying. But... <laughs> That wasn't annoying. Um, I was like, I did a thing. I hate when people say that. You did a thing. No, you got fucking engaged, Kayla. That's <laughs> I did whatever. A thing. <laughs> uh, I did That's a thing. What are you talking about? Oh, I actually did a project on this play once, um, and it is really rarely produced. And I'm wondering if you might have any ideas as to why. I'm guessing runtime. Yes. And. Maybe not the right creative team to f- fully, because let's say your male friend read it and was like, I don't get it. But like someone who's been through that would. Yeah. It's hard to get like everybody on board with that. Yeah, I think it honestly is a runtime thing. And it's bizarre because I feel like we would watch like a weird 30 minute play from like a male author or a male playwright because we'd be like, oh, well, like, he's a genius, so, like, we'll watch it. Like, we saw... I'm gonna shit-talk Lucas Nath for two seconds. I admire him, but we saw this play of his. I went to the Humana <laughs> Festival in 2018, I think. Um, maybe it was 2018, 2019. Spring, so I guess it was 2019. Anyway, um, 
I saw a play by Lucas Nath, who I think is really cool. He's an like obviously important playwright right now, and I like a lot of his stuff. And his he had this new play, and it was called it wasn't called The Quiet Place, but let's say that it was called that. And this play it was really short and kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like I think it was like maybe 45 minutes and we all gathered in and paid tickets and he was like he was the headliner so people are willing to do it just not for girls especially not then also back when she was yeah you know in prominence but even now like why don't we do her stuff I bet we would do like and I people do they'll do like 30 minute Ionesco plays because they're like oh Ionesco's a genius and he is but like why isn't Susan Glassbell because girls because girls oh my god i do you want to hear a really funny story do you know you know ionesco right uh maybe (laughs) he's a playwright he did rhinoceros he did um this is a tangent anyway he i have this story i know a story about the playwright who like he had anyway never mind (laughs) it's too long it's not gonna make sense (laughs) okay 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 um your turn to bring something up do we want to bring up other stuff no, that was all my, uh, all the notes. That was all the notes. Um, no, I can say it. I was, okay, here's my thing is I need to take pride in the things that I do, even if I think other people might think they're silly. This is a new thing I'm trying in 2021. <laughs> um, but I, like, a lot of times I feel embarrassed about the things I make, like, whether I write a play or whatever, because I'm like, oh, like, people think writing plays is stupid. And people do think podcasts are stupid, and they are, but... Instead of being embarrassed about it, I'm going to be like, oh, it's something I do, and it's fun, and I get to hang out with my friend Jay, and we get to talk about a thing that I really like. So, yeah, and, you know, maybe someday it'll mean something to someone. I don't know. But anyway. It means something to me. Oh, that's all that matters. <laughs> Ew. Okay. Um, so, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. It makes me feel nice. You can find us on Twitter at Highbrow Theater if you want to keep updated. Uh, we usually tweet every time we have a new episode, and sometimes we make little jokes, too. Uh, <laughs> Only sometimes. <clears throat> um, you can also follow me on TikTok if you want. I made a TikTok. It's at Olive Swats. Anyway, um, we won't talk anymore about that. But anyway, you don't have to follow me. I just, I don't know. Maybe the, maybe our German listener will finally, like, will finally say who they are and follow me on Maybe something. Yourself. What? Reveal yourself, German person. Yeah, reveal German yourself. Person. I want to know who you are. Danke. Um, oh, and yep. if you like the show. <laughs> I didn't want to be rude. If you like the show. Something fake. <laughs> if, you liked, if you liked the show. If you like the show, um, please subscribe <laughs> on your favorite podcast platform, or you can leave us a nice review. Um, honestly, at this point, I would accept anything that's three stars or above. If you have an opinion that's lower than that, please keep it to yourself. <laughs> Go to the Better Business Bureau or something. Yeah, freaking call the IRS, freaking loser. <laughs> <laughs> you have nothing also, better to do. <laughs> also, give us money. Because this takes work. You know, what would we do if if someone sent us money, what would we do for them? Maybe we would um, write think- them... A poem. Pat, uh, Patreon could be for. <laughs> that is what Patreon is for, but I don't think anyone will sign up for it unless we, like, tease it a little bit. You obviously don't have to, but if you did, like, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. Give us, like, well, no, never mind. <laughs> give okay. Us, give us, like, as much as you would give to, like, the Salvation Army. 
I know. The because the Salvation Army sucks. The Salvation Army, like, turns away queer people. But the obligatory putting it in that ringer's bucket, do like, you know that 52 cents you got in your jean pocket that's been there for seven weeks? Yeah, Just you do slide have to that give it to them. You have to, because they're ringing the damn bell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Okay, okay, okay. We're done. Um, High we're five. Done. High five. Ready? It sounded like your whole like microphone just crunched. Yeah, that's because I threw my microphone so I could clap with both hands, and I forgot that it was going to fall and hit the ground, because that's how gravity works. <laughs> and I love myself for that. All right, goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Okay, I don't know how we keep the recording. I don't either. Maybe when it's end? Maybe just when we end it. When we end these, it. Okay, let's try it. Wait, hit stop. Oh, wait, no, I'll say stop.